Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Tonight, you want to turn to the book of First Peter chapter 2. be reading verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that he may grow there by newborn babes let's look at first peter 1 and verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 22 says, seeing he have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that he love one another with a pure heart fervently being born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of God, the word of the Lord, endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The epistle of Peter, the first volume. And Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, writes to those who are scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be unto you. And now we understand uh, this 
this volume or this epistle, the first chapter that we're reading here, just a few verses, verse 3 and verse 22 to 25, Peter is addressing those who are called out, elected by God, uh, sanctified by his spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace be multiplied. And Peter tells us that we are blessed. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, something that was made known when he called Moses uh, to teach him prayer, when he, when he, when he, Open up to Moses for him to understand that he, 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 he is full of compassion and abundant in goodness. And so uh, Peter says, abundant mercy had begotten us. It is that mercy that has handpicked us as believers, called us out of this world of darkness. Peter says, according to the foreknowledge of God. He said, begotten us again unto a lively hope. And that hope came by the death, now the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Seeing now believers we have purified, our souls are purified in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. If we remember, our Lord Jesus had commanded that we should love one another even as he had loved us. And that's the, that's a command that was given to the church. And so the brethren must show that love. And we can only show it, we can only exercise that love simply because we are being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, because the word of God cannot perish. The word of God abides forever. He says it lives in us and abided forever. So all flesh is as grass. Naturally, as the death process will take place. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. It, it, it is impossible for it to last forever. The grass wither it and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endure it forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, Peter now tells, he writes to these brethren. And he says, wherefore, Laying aside all malice. The New Living Translation said, so get rid. 
That means stripping off of all evil behavior. When we study that word, malice, in a general sense, it means wickedness. All kinds and forms of evil. The evil vices of men. And Peter says, get rid of all evil behavior. Now, Peter is talking to those who are elect by the foreknowledge of God. He's talking to those who have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, who have been given a lively hope simply because of the resurrection of Jesus. He says, get rid. It's a call for action. Intentional. That means identifying and cutting. The evil behavior. One may ask, how can this be in the church? Well, Peter says, I'm writing to you to tell you that there needs to be a cutting away, a stripping away. The evil behavior, the malice be done with all deceit. King James Version uses the word guile. It is not to be found in the heart of a believer. Deceit. Seeing that we are now born of God, born from above. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, He came full of grace and truth. In him, there was no guile, no deceit. And being children of the Lord, we should not have deceit in our spirit. Hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech now malice can also mean deep-seated feelings against an individual say a brother against a brother against a sister a hatred a grudge that lasts on and on One carries this hatred, carries this grudge. This long-lasting bitterness against a person. Wishing and desiring evil. Cursing within the heart. Perhaps we haven't uttered it with our lips. 
but deep on the inside, we couldn't care less if something bad happens to that individual. It doesn't bother us. Malice. But Peter warns us that if the love, the unfeigned love that we have for brethren, if it is going to be evident among us, there's got to be some stripping away. Stripping off malice. First Corinthians 5 and 8 say here, Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with all living, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. First Corinthians 14 and 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be he children. But in understanding, be men. Intentionally identifying these attitudes within our lives. And begin to strip, strip them away. Colossians 3 and 8. But now he also put off all these. Anger, wrath. Malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Uh, believers are now, uh, Peter writes, believers must strip off or cut off deceit, guile. To deceive, meaning to deceive and mislead people. Being two-faced. Deceitful in our in our speech, in our actions, not being truthful. Peter says, "Cut them off. Get rid of all evil behavior." He considers these evil. That's what the Word of God says. Hypocrisy. Cut it off. Jealousy and all unkind speech. Jesus, in his ministry, on numerous occasions, warns against the spirit of hypocrisy. He warns against it. In in Matthew 23 and verse 14, can pick up from verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. 
hypocrisy. Christ warns against it. Those who are hypocrites will see damnation. Hypocrites, as I read, Lord Jesus says, they are children of hell. A believer must be true. Say what he means. Do not pretend. Be true to yourself. Be true to God. Hypocrites are full of uncleanness. Matthew 23 and verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people, bones, and all uncleanness. Look good on the outside. When we, when we, when we look on a hypocrite, Seems as if everything is okay. But when you begin to discern, you recognize there's uncleanness on the inside. And Peter, rather Paul, warns in 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 2, he says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Spirit of hypocrisy. Peter says, Cut it off. Cut it off. Has no place in the life of a believer. The envy, the jealousy has no place in the life of a believer. The world is filled with envy. A man without God is filled with envy. But a child of God. There's no room for jealousy. In his life. He's contented with whatever God places in his life. Wherever he's, he's at. Whatever position. He's at in life. He's contented. Because he knows that every good thing comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he's satisfied. He does not look and covet someone's money, possessions, whatever it may be. He's satisfied. And the last thing Peter says all unkind speech, all 
evil speech. We should pay attention. Like James say, take note of your tongue. So we can take, we can, we can control a ship using the rudder. We can even control a horse by the bridle that we place in its mouth. But this tongue of ours and all sorts of, of wild animals can be tamed. But this tongue of ours is not tameable. Set on a nature, a course, all by itself. But the word of God makes the difference. And so Peter says, we are to cut off, cut off all kinds of unkind, evil speech. And to be critical of others, to judge others, to backbite, to gossip, to condemn, to murmur, to grumble, complain. All these evil speech. We talk about people and we tear them down. One cannot practice or one cannot fulfill the command of God, which is to love each other, even as Christ has loved us. If we're slandering individuals, if we're critical of individuals, cause it that evil speech. Now, he said, cry out. He said, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. When we get into this, into the body of Jesus Christ, we are born again. Now, Peter is going back to his uh, his first chapter, which he he states that we are we're, we're a new creation. A new birth has taken place. And since a new birth has taken place now, he says like newborn babies, they cannot live without milk. They need the milk from their mother's breast. He says like newborn babies, you must crave. That means a strong desire, a yearning for pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation, of deliverance being brought out of nature's darkness into this marvelous light Peter says, when we have that yearning, that strong desire for the word of God, we will grow into a full experience of this great salvation. Now, a young, a newborn cannot live 
without the milk. That baby needs milk to survive. And so is it. A believer needs the word of God to survive. The word of God for him to grow. No growth takes place outside of the word of God. If one does not have a strong desire for the word of God, then what will eventually happen? He'll relapse and he will die. But Peter is saying, the cutting off process is necessary because one needs to make room for the word of God in his or her life. See, brothers and sisters, the walk we have with the Lord, seeing that we are a new creation, and everything we see it in nature, if it's a plant, if it's an animal, anything that's that's new, born new, or a new sprout of some plant, it takes a process. And there are some things that are extremely important to ensure that that, that plant or that animal survives. And so is it the word of God. We can get excited about singing. We can get excited about a lot of different activities. But if the word of God is not present in our lives, we're going to eventually die. There used to be a song I remember in Sunday school that says, read your Bible, pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. And the flip side to that is that if you don't read your Bible and forget to pray, you will shrink, shrink, shrink. That simply means you, you have now relapsed into a dying process or the process of death. I know some of us remember that song. He says, we need to have this full experience of our salvation. If I should ask tonight, how many of us are enjoying our salvation experience? How many of us are living today with the joy of the Lord? How many of us are enjoying our walk with the Lord? Think about it. And never say the experience you have at your assembly. 
I'm talking about your walk, your personal walk with the Lord. Peter says, when you begin to cut all these evil behavior, the malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the jealousy, and the evil speech. He said, now like newborn babies. I wanted to, for those of us who have seen it before, we have all had our own experiences. Mothers can tell us very clearly. In fact, the mother probably would be a better person to explain what it is like for a newborn babe to latch on to that breast, to be satisfied by the milk that's coming out of the breast. I have two children, and I can tell you, there's nothing that comes between a, a baby in the time of, of need for the milk. There's nothing you can give. When it's milk time, and don't try cuddle it and say nice words, cutie, 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 and whatever you may want to say to distract that baby. It looks around two times and recognizes that uh, he or she doesn't see or smell uh, the, 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 the closeness of the breast. They get miserable, crying. Wake up in the night, doesn't matter if mom had just gone to sleep. That's her, that's, that's her problem for not going to bed on time or for, 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 for to be up doing other things. They couldn't care less. When it's time to be fed, it's just time to be fed. And some babies will cry and wake up the whole house. Now, Peter said, like newborn babies, they, they know when there's a desire. They know the desire that they have for the, the milk. So is it as believers. There's got to be a powerful in fact, from the Greek, it means, it's, it even speaks of an abnormal desire. More than, I got to get this. If I don't get it, I'm going to die. And so, he says, cry out for this nourishment. The word of God nourishes us. He said, cry out for it. Let there be a craving. Craving a strong desire for the word of God. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, that's what the word of God does. It gives us an experience. It allows us to taste or experience the kindness of God. That's what the word of God does. Have you ever heard people in church? You know, some folks will say, I just need a word from the, from the Lord. You know, I just, I, just, I just want a word from the Lord. More so speaking of someone coming to give them a prophetic word 
or perhaps a word of encouragement. But there's so much to be found in the word of God. Taking up one Bible, opening it up, and allowing the spirit of the Lord to lead you to a place in his book to nourish your soul. Doesn't matter what we are going through in this life. There's a word in the book for us. Faced with depression. Faced with, uh, with, with challenges and despair. There's a word in the book. Suffering and pain. There's a word in the book. Doesn't matter what it is. Family crisis. There's a word in the book. Relationship problems, there's a word in the book. When we, when we, when we, when we crave for this spiritual milk, sincere milk of the word, when we are nourished by it, we begin to taste the kindness of God. Now Peter says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. And we are now coming to the Lord Jesus Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Now, for those of us who have an understanding of uh, the construction process of uh, putting up a building or constructing a building. The mason in the foundation, especially when they were using stones, the cornerstone is the first stone that is placed. The first stone that's that's placed in the foundation. It is a stone that supports every other stone. It positions itself and creates in the pattern of the building. It tells where every other stone will be placed. If there's no cornerstone, the building cannot be erected. And so, Peter tells us we're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. It's a living stone, not a dead piece of rock. It's a living stone. He was rejected by people. But he was chosen by God for great honor. Jesus Christ is the living cornerstone. Rejected by people, but chosen for great honor. And now, newborn babes desiring the sincere milk and tasting of the kindness of the Lord. 
are no lively stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. I tell somebody, God is building his temple. He's building his spiritual house. And now we are privileged as believers to be lively stones that are resting upon the foundation stone, the cornerstone, which is Christ. He says, even more, what's more, you are his holy priests. Every believer, we're not ordinary persons. God is using each and every one of us to build his kingdom. He's building his house of lively stones. Means Christ is selected. He is the cornerstone. Men reject him. He's given great honor. To those that believe on him, cornerstone is a test is, is considered the testing stone. If you believe on Christ, you're accepted. To reject him means you're condemned. To believe in darkness rather than light. The testing stone, the cornerstone, supports the entire foundation of the building. Every other rock that's placed, the support is Christ. So is it us as living stones, lively stones. As believers, we are standing on this solid rock, which is Christ Jesus. Our foundation is sure. And Peter says that we are, we are priests, holy priests. And we know in the old in the old testament when we when we read about the duty of a priest, is that a priest uh, is uh, he makes uh, intercession between man and God. He provides or he presents the sacrifices to God on behalf of men. Now, Christ being the lively stone, uh, the, the, the cornerstone rather, and us being lively stones, building up this spiritual house, this house, we are considered holy priests. This is not ordinary, brothers and sisters. A priest is someone, when you read in the Old Testament, he's sold out for his duties and responsibilities to God. Doesn't have a will of his own. He serves diligently in the temple or in the tabernacle. And so is it. As, as believers, and those of us 
who have believed in Jesus Christ in his sacrificial death and his resurrection were called lively stones. We're building up the house of God. We're standing on the supportive stone, the cornerstone. And we, we stand firm upon this foundation. Christ, the head cornerstone. First Corinthians 3 and verse 11 tells us, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there can be no other foundation. That's why, uh, that's why Paul clearly states there can be no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. First Peter 2 and verse 5 and going off to verse 6 he says we are, we are holy priests through the mediation of Jesus Christ you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God now as believers we have open access to the Lord open access we are priests. We have a direct access to the throne of God. How be it? Through mediation of Jesus Christ. We cry out to him. He presents our sacrifices. We no longer have to go killing bullocks, turtle doves, or offering grain, offering cereal offerings, whatever it may be. But we have a direct access. We can call upon him. Brothers and sisters, we can tell him what our heart's desire is. Peter says, as the scripture, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced anyone who believes on Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone will never be disgraced as simple as that brothers and sisters there's no shame there's no reproach any man who believes in Jesus will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You see, brothers and sisters, no one can become a part of God's building. No one can become a part of God's church except by laying down his life on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. No man can be a part of this house, this kingdom that God is building up except by, by coming to Christ, by surrendering to him 
surrendering our will, our own selfish desires, willing our will to God. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Use me for your own pleasure. Not my will, Lord. Thy will be done. Let your kingdom come upon me. Brothers and sisters, how many of us understand? Have, have we ever stopped to consider that God has a purpose on our lives? And it may be that our ambitions are fighting against God's purpose. That's what's creating the confusion, the disharmony, selfish ambitions. But the cornerstone tests us. We can't lay on it. It won't fit. If it isn't aligned with the cornerstone. Such a stone will not fit in the building. Peter says he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall is a testing stone. It will test the stone that it desires of laying on the foundation stone, it will test it. And some stumble. Sell all you have and give to the poor. Can't handle that. Walk away sorrowful. Did not, at that point, was not able to fit Christ says, if any man will follow me, let him first deny himself. If you can't deny, can't fit, take up his cross. Not prepared to pay the price, can't fit. Prepared to pay the price, prepared to deny, deny uh, self fits he is the stone that makes people stumble we're not born in fornication that's what they said to Jesus we're Abraham's children we know who we are we're not born in fornication We're not like you. You were Abraham's children. You have the ability to discern and to see like Abraham did. Because Abraham saw my days and rejoiced. Jesus says, the end to them. 
children of the devil. They stumble. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. Any man who fails to accept and obey God's word will stumble. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. Chosen. Chosen. God's choice. You are royal priests. Brothers and sisters, we're not ordinary. Royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. We're not our own, we're God's possession. If we're not our own, we can't do our own thing. We have to honor. The one who rules over us. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Out of darkness into this wonderful, marvelous light. No longer our own. No longer having a will of our own. But now we are God's very own possession. He owns us. Peter goes on to say, we had no identity as a people. We just refer to us as aliens, heathen, Gentiles. But now we are God's people. God's people. I belong to him. His name is on my life. I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. I'm not my own. I belong to the king. I'm royal. Once you receive no mercy, the concept of, of, of mercy was alien to us. But now you have received God's mercy. Brothers and sisters, we're privileged, we're honored to be called lively stones, to be selected, to be chosen. To build God's house. Holy nation. Peculiar. Royal priest. 
one point having no identity, receiving no mercy. But now we belong to God. We have an identity. We're God's children. Now we obtain mercy. Now he says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents, brothers and sisters, let's look on the words. I warn you as temporary residents. King James says strangers and pilgrims. Temporary residents. And everyone of us know, those of us who perhaps we're not born here and we came here first possibly on a on a temporary resident visa when we look in our passports we see and in on that document the visa a, a start date and an expiry date the day that you're allowed to visit the day that it starts and the day that that document expires. So is it believers in this world. We're strangers. Temporary residents. This is not our place. It's not our home. In, in time, we're just given a permit to be here day that starts it starts it has an expiry day and because of that in this world of darkness which we are take we have been taken out of and placed into this marvelous light why because he chose us chose us as a royal priest because of that because we are foreigners to keep away from worldly desire or desires that wage war against your very souls. And I'm going to end on this verse. Being that we are foreigners, what time here It's just for a short while. Keep away from worldly desires. The desire of the believer is the sincere milk. The sincere word of God. Any other desires, the worldly desires is going to wage war against our souls. There's no room for worldly desires. There's no room for us to be laying out treasures here, building barns here. We're, we're just here for a short while. Here's a life. Beyond this realm, 
if we are standing on the on the firm foundation, we're lively stones, meaning the word of God abides in us. It means, brothers and sisters, that eternity is in us. We cannot, we cannot allow these worldly desires to influence our mind and our spirit. It will wage war against our souls. Instead, believers must crave for the word of God and to live above the desires of this world. Why? Because when we have the word of God, we have an experience with him. We get to understand the ways of God. We get to understand what uh, the, the mind of God and what, what, what he wants for us. The purpose that he has for us. That's what, that's what we get from the word of God. It's life. Now, he says, keep away. That means if we are not able to identify these desires, how are we going to protect ourselves from them? Number two, how can we identify it if we don't have a knowledge of the word of God? The word of God will tell us what are the worldly desires. So everything goes back, brothers and sisters, to the word of God, an appetite for the word of God, a desire, a craving for the word of God. Not not just to be preached to, but to pick up our Bibles, to read the word of God, asking him for understanding. So only a person who is immersed in the word of God will be able to stand in the hour of testing. The word strengthens. The word protects. The word of God is God himself. Verse 12, I said I was going to finish at verse 11, but verse 12 says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. What a word. A believer must always take note of how he or she is living among his unbelieving neighbor. Is the word of God being, are we living out the word of God? Or are we giving an unbeliever an opportunity to speak against the Lord, to, crit, to be critical because we have not lived out the word? Be careful to live properly 
How are we going to live properly if we don't know the word? If we don't know what the Lord desires of us, what the Lord says to do, how can we live properly above, uh, amongst unbelieving neighbors? It says, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. The power of the word. The strength that we get from the word. The word of God is of utmost importance in a believer's life. The word of God. Even even prior brothers and sisters if we don't know the word our prayer is limited but the more we know the word of God the more our prayer opens up we get into the depths of prayer praise the name of the Lord Jesus Let's unmute our microphones tonight. And we're going to be praying as we ask the Lord for a passion for his word, a passion to read his word, a strong desire, hallelujah, to be connected to the word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Not just to be preached to, not just to turn up to church, and that being the only time when we read the word of God. But to have a craving. Even as newborn babes design uh, milk. So us having a strong desire for the word of God. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Anybody interested in reading more? Of the word of God. Anybody interested in knowing more about God? What my own personal relationship. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to be matured in the word of God. I want to know what he says. I want to know what he requires of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 